0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Found Generation, a self improvement podcast where every Monday we try to answer this most important question How do we extract the most from our lives? And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the topic of obstacles, how to overcome them, how to see obstacles not as setbacks, but as opportunities. And I'm also going to tell you about my weekend. At the hospital. Let's get into it. Good morning, everyone. And yes, welcome back to The Found Generation Season 4, Episode 2. We are back. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into the first episode and gave me some love. And also thank you to everyone who has uh, purchased the new book. I've been getting overwhelmed, first of all. Uh, with gratitude for all of you who have purchased the book who have told me that they're reading it who have told me that they liked it please give me all the feedback good or bad it's my first book i want to know what i did right what i did wrong where you disagree with me also on this podcast i want to know where you disagree with me as well so feel free to reach out anytime but seriously From the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone who has tagged me in photos, who has sent me photos of them getting the book. It's so surreal to see this thing that was a Google Doc of mine for two years be now out into the world for people to enjoy. So thank you for that, and thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be doing this podcast again. And to get into today's topic, which is the topic of obstacles, which is something that I... I'm a big fan of talking about. It's something that I've really spent a lot of time learning about. And to illustrate today's point, I want to tell you a Troy story. This is something that will be a mainstay of the podcast. I will relate stories from my own life when applicable to that week's topic. And I just told you that I spent the weekend at the hospital. Um, I was there for 48 hours um, to backtrack The last few weeks, I've not been feeling like myself, been lacking in energy and motivation, very little mental clarity. And I didn't know what was wrong. I thought maybe I'm depressed. Maybe I'm just a little lonely out here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And maybe I'm not getting as much sunlight as I should. And maybe I'm working too much. Maybe my hours, my working hours, are a little bit all over the place maybe I have an eating disorder because I was dropping weight like a lot. And I thought maybe it was all related to that. And then last week, it all kind of came to a head. I was waking up with an extremely dry mouth. I was so thirsty all of the time. And no matter how much water I drank, I could never quench my thirst. I woke up one one night in the middle of the night with a searing leg cramp which had never happened to me before and just zero energy if you know me I'm high energy typically I love exercise I'm ready to go I mean I was hardly moving around if I dropped something I, I struggled summoning the energy to pick it up so I eventually last Thursday realized okay I think something is wrong wrong um, I might need to go to the doctor So I I go to the doctor the next morning and they run all sorts of tests and blah, blah, blah. Then they send me to the emergency room with really high blood sugar levels saying that my blood sugar levels were so high that they were off the charts, that their meters couldn't read them. So they sent me to the emergency room immediately. I go to the emergency room Uh, This is on a Friday night. What a way to spend a Friday night. I get an IV in me to rehydrate me because my body was all devoid of so so many things that my body needs. Um, I spend the night overnight at the Portsmouth Regional Hospital, which, by the way, shout out to them. Amazing care the entire weekend. The entire staff was incredible. Made my experience actually enjoyable uh, despite the circumstances of being there. And... All throughout the night, Friday night, I'm getting woken up once every hour to prick my finger, to take my blood sugar levels. And then on Saturday, the doctor comes in and tells me that it's not conclusive, but I probably have type 1 diabetes. At age 27, I've been diagnosed with a disease that most people, if they have it, are diagnosed early on, you know, four years old eight years old 13 years old at the max very rare for someone at 27 to have type one diabetes just really come out of nowhere it's a hereditary disease type one is hereditary and type two is lifestyle driven more so you bring it up on yourself usually much later in life so this was a shock to me um and everyone the whole weekend first okay First of all, uh, type 1 diabetes, essentially this just means my body doesn't make insulin. And if I understand correctly, you need insulin to make glucose. And glucose is what fuels your day and fuels your cells and gives you energy. So my body wasn't making any of that stuff. So I now have to inject it into myself. I'm still figuring out the treatment plans and what time of day to inject myself, how many times of day to inject myself, with how much do I inject myself. We're all working through that. My body is going through it right now, but I'm good. I'm full of life, full of energy. The hospital treated me just right. I'm good to go, just figuring out the right course of action from, from here. Now, let's get to the point of why I tell you this story. All weekend, all of the doctors, all of the nurses, and the people who came to visit me, and... All the people that I that I told that I was going through this, everyone's instant reaction, I'm so sorry that you're going through this, that's terrible, poor you, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, giving me so much love and sympathy, and first of all, I appreciate it, I thank you so much for, for caring about me, but I wasn't feeling sorry for myself, I... Haven't really allowed myself to feel that way at all. And this is why. Does this suck? Yeah. Am I looking forward to pricking my finger every day and injecting myself every day and carrying all of this stuff with me and always kind of being one step away from a major issue or going back to the hospital? No, I'm not looking forward to any of that. However, I view this obstacle as an opportunity. My life has been so good recently. Everything has just been going right. And I view this as an opportunity to face adversity, to get through something, to battle through something, to learn about myself, about the world. That's what every obstacle to me is. I I never feel sorry for myself when I face some some adversity. There was some adversity I, I faced that some of you know about in Hawaii earlier this year. That the second it happened, I was like, nope, like I'm not wallowing. I'm fucking going and I am making turning this negative into a positive. And that's exactly what I'm gonna do here. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to reconnect with my body to be more mindful to make ultimately healthier decisions so that I can prove the no, so so that I can like, because if you get type one, if you don't do the right things, you know, your life expectancy will get shorter. I'm going to make my life expectancy longer. And also, I view this as an opportunity to keep the The perspective, I know this young woman, her name is Sarah Lang, she's maybe 31, 32. I worked with her at ESPN, she now works at MLB Network. Incredible young woman, so nice, the actual kindest human I've ever met. She's an avid runner, incredible person. Last year, she was diagnosed with ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's syndrome, which does not have a cure. And she's now reduced to a wheelchair. Her speech is slowed, and she's still there. She's still there cognitively and mentally, but her time is ticking, and we don't know when she's going to go. And she has turned all of this into an incredible opportunity. She's raising money. She's out here still on TV, still working, still grinding, still tweeting up a storm, inspiring people. And she's going to be gone soon. Type 1 diabetes is very curable, very easy to live with in terms of all the autoimmune diseases and other immune diseases out there. I'm not Sarah. I'm going to be fine. Why do I have to feel sorry for myself? Why, When there's so much pain and suffering in the world, I have to deal with type 1 diabetes? I'm a white man in the United States of America. I am in the 1%, the upper of the world. What do I have to feel sorry about? What do I had to complain about? So what? I have to inject myself with some needles? I have to pay a little more every month for my own medical care than I would like to? What are we talking about here? So when you're dealt a blow like this, keep it in perspective. How bad is it really? How bad do other people have it? Is this going to be the death of me? Am I good? Am I ultimately healthy? Is my family healthy? Am I surrounded by people I love? Am I in a place I love? Do I get to do things I love? Do I have a roof over my head? Ask yourself all of these questions the next time you are dealt with something that sounds really hard. And use it as an opportunity to turn the obstacle into something positive. How can you come better out of this? How can you make the world a better place out of this? I, for one, know that I am going to now be joining a community, this diabetes community, that I can lead, that I can become a part of. I'm going to make this a fucking walk in the park. I'm going to Turn this opportunity on its head. The obstacle is the way, as Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman emperor, used to say. What stands in the way becomes the way. I'm going to be fine. You are going to be fine. The next time something bad happens, use it as an opportunity, okay? All right. For today's little pop culture news segment, which I still need a name for, need to ruminate on that one, I want to take you into my world. If any of you know me, you know that I work in mixed martial arts podcasting. Very strange, I know. It's always fun going through airport security or something, or immigration, and people asking me, "Oh, what do you do?" "Oh, podcasting." "Oh, what kinds of podcasts?" "Anyone's I know?" "No, mixed martial arts podcasting." "Oh, that's weird." Go through. It's always a fun time. Anyway, a big moment just happened in. Uh, The UFC world UFC is the leading MMA organization think NFL to American football and Sean O'Malley just won the UFC Bantamweight Championship. He beat Aljamain Sterling via second round TKO at Boston TD Garden August 19th. The place there just exploded because Sean O'Malley is a massive star. He is now even more of a massive star. That's probably going to cut through across other sports as well. If you're just an NBA fan, you might know who Sean O'Malley is now, even if you've never watched an MMA fight in your life, which is really freaking cool for those of us who work in the sport. Sean O'Malley is a guy who first emerged onto the scene in maybe 2017, I think. And since day one, he said that he was going to be a UFC champion. He kind of had that feel. He kind of had that it factor. He kind of had that thing about him. But you still got to put in the work, right? So he set this very lofty goal that this little skinny kid with an afro from Montana, this skinny white kid from Montana, set out this crazy goal. He moves to Arizona. He starts training with a guy named Tim Welch. And they've got no money to their name. This kid has no right to be saying he's going to be a UFC Bantamweight champion. But this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. If you set massive, seemingly unrealistic goals, they are actually more easily achievable than average to medium-sized goals. Okay, now how does that make sense? If you have a medium to average size goal, you're not going to be super motivated to get it done because since it doesn't take that much work to get it, you're more likely to fall off the wagon. Also, there's way more competition. There's way more people shooting for those medium to average size goals because there's only so many exceptional people in the world who are shooting for those big, unrealistic, you're crazy for even thinking of this kind of goals like Sean O'Malley. Because so few people believe that they actually have the ability to get there, they don't shoot for the star. So there's actually less competition for the seemingly unrealistic goals than the medium to average size goals. You get what I'm saying? That's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. So Sean O'Malley has this crazy goal so few people are going after, right? Then he just puts in the work. He puts in the work. He puts in the work. He gets to the UFC. He gets a contract, has some exciting fights, exciting finishes all the way. He's still saying, I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to be a champion. And he was controlling what he could control this entire way. He was building up his name, having exciting finishes, starting a podcast and a YouTube channel and... Just doing really well on social media, on TikTok and Instagram. Makes these really cool videos. Has a fire merchandise game. UFC fighters are pretty hamstrung in, in terms of what they can do outside of the octagon. In terms of how they can monetize themselves. And he has taken every single opportunity that he can to extract the most that he can from his name, likeness, and image. Which is really incredible. And it's inspiring. The entire way he's controlled, he can control, and he has made it a priority to just get a little bit better every single day. And he's done it with his same team, his same crew. He hasn't changed the same guy, Sean O'Malley, Tim Welch, getting better every day, going back to the gym, back to the lab, getting really good sleep, really good diet, really good training, discipline, discipline, discipline. Letting loose here and there at the right times. He has done everything the right way. He never expected it to come overnight. He just put in the work, and here we are six years later. Sean O'Malley is the UFC bantamweight champion of the world. He's still with the same crew of people. He's about to cash in even more. He's about to be a massive superstar, get really big fights, sell a bunch of pay-per-views and inspire a whole bunch of people around the world. This little skinny white kid with an afro from Montana who, at the end of the day, is still the same kid. He's all tatted up, has changed his hair, has way more money in the bank, much more notoriety. Everyone loves him, but he's still the same guy. I say all of this to you as a reminder that you're not going to hit your goals overnight, especially when you're a young person. We it's kind of jarring that we're not doing everything that we want immediately, that we don't have the job we want. We're, we don't, we're not quite achieving the dreams at the pace that we thought. We feel like we're falling behind oftentimes because we see on Instagram what other people are doing, and we hear about how much money our friends are making and the trips that they're making, and we get lost in the, the comparison trap. Everyone goes at their own pace, okay? It's not going to happen for you overnight. It's going to take years of incremental progress, 0.01% better every day like Sean O'Malley. And then just one day, it's all going to come to a head and you're going to be there. You're going to be at the place where you're achieving that delusional goal that people told you that you couldn't achieve, that people doubted you. You're going to get there. Surround yourself with the good people. Put the work in. Don't lose sight of the goals. Keep the eyes on the prize. Don't get frustrated. You're going to experience setbacks. Sean O'Malley has suffered injuries, a suspension, a loss, uh, a no contest via an eye poke on a really big stage. He's had setbacks. He's come back for them. So whatever your setbacks are, turn them again into opportunities. Turn the obstacles into into chances to show to the world what you're capable of, and to inspire other people, just like Sugar Sean O'Malley just did. Congrats, Sugar! Welcome to the Sugar Show. I'm excited to be on the ride with you. So, as I said on last week's episode, I'm going to use the end of the show to interact with you guys. I love hearing from you guys so much, uh, especially on Instagram. That's where you can find me at Troy underscore Farkas. I will be taking your questions, your comments, your concerns. Do you have a problem? Are you struggling with something? Do you need some insight? Do you just need a friend to listen to you? If you want to be featured on the show, message me with your question, comment, concern. You can be anonymous if you want. Just let me know if you don't want your name mentioned. And then I will address it on the show. And so this week's question comes from my man, Oscar. And he writes in, "What is the first step to take when going from materialism to minimalism?" That is a uh, a great question, Oscar. I'm assuming he, uh, uh, I'm assuming Oscar, that you are an MMA fan and that you listen to some of the podcasts I work on, where it is well documented that I am a minimalist. So. For me to answer this question, let me first define what minimalism is. There's a lot of misconceptions about it, so let me clarify. Minimalism is simply boiling your life down to the most important things. It is stripping away the extraneous, the unnecessary, identifying those things getting rid of them so that you can focus on what is truly essential and meaningful to you. And what is meaningful and essential to you changes based on who you are and what you want from your life. So if you want to live a more minimalist lifestyle, it's all just about becoming more intentional. The first way to do that, the easiest avenue to cracking the minimalist code is to focus on your physical objects, the stuff. Ultimately, when we're talking about changing from maximalism to minimalism, we're really talking about every area of your life that you're applying minimalism to. Stuff, relationships, how you spend your time, your hobbies, your work, everything you become more intentional about. But it's easiest to start with the physical stuff, the stuff that you can see. That's where the habit is formed. So to do that, Oscar, and anyone who is considering minimalism, I would do this. Go to every room of your house and ask yourself, with every single possession, physical item that you have, ask yourself, is this essential? Does this serve a purpose or does it bring me joy? If it serves a functional purpose and you're using it often, keep it. Awesome. If it brings you joy, if you get a smile out of this thing, this decoration, great. Keep it amazing. You need those things. You've got to have those things in your life. But if there's something that's just collecting dust, that's just sitting there, that you haven't used in 90 days and that you're not going to use in the next 90 days, that's a good rule. Consider getting rid of it. Donate it. Sell it. Throw it out. Recycle it. Give it to a friend who needs it more. Give it to the homeless person on the street. Whatever. Just get rid of it from your life because you may not realize it, but it's weighing you down. Our stuff just anchors. I've gotten to live the most incredible life the past few years, I believe, because I am a minimalist, because I don't have stuff weighing me down. I do have stuff. Look at this room right now if you're watching a video. I've got stuff, clearly, but I have the right amount of stuff for me and my lifestyle. Anytime I get a new object, I consider getting rid of another one, and I am constantly evaluating the presence of these things in my lives. Ask yourself, is this thing essential? That's the start. Then once you've gotten rid of the stuff you no longer need that isn't essential, that doesn't serve a purpose or bring you joy, you then move on to the other areas of your life, which is Albeit much harder to do. And I will say this one more on the stuff. Getting rid of stuff hurts. Like it it physically hurts you in the moment that you're getting rid of it. But let me tell you when you get rid of that shirt, when you get rid of that, that thing that you picked up on a trip a couple years ago, it hurts in that moment. But I guarantee you the next day, you are going to forget that you got rid of it. It's that simple. So, Oscar, thank you for that question. Uh, I'm happy to take any more questions on minimalism. At Troy underscore Farks. you can hit me up. Um, I'll put the link to, to my Instagram in the show notes. I'll put the link to the book in the show notes as well. Surrender is the name of the book if you haven't uh, gotten it yet. Thank you to everyone who came out to the book signing in Clifton Park at Mocha Lisa last Friday. Had great fun. The number one way to support the show... It's just to give it a follow. Give it a follow on Spotify. That's my favorite for obvious reasons. Apple Podcasts too. And also, every episode is on YouTube. Link to that also in the show notes if you want to support the show. I hope you have a great week, everyone. I hope that you do things you love, that you strip your life down to what's most essential, and that you turn every obstacle into an opportunity that you keep the perspective that is needed And I hope that this episode has helped you just a little bit live an easier life that you can extract the most from. Have a great week, everyone. I love you guys. Talk to you soon.